0: Hello and welcome to this Christian Walk Podcast, the show where no topic is too taboo to empower you on your walk with God. I'm your host Marley B and it is my privilege to welcome you to the conversation. And today's conversation is an important one. Today, we're going to be talking about making that final transition. And when I say that final transition, I'm talking about going on to glory. I'm talking about passing on. I'm talking about going home to be with Jesus. I'm talking about the upper
1: I'm
0: talking about all of those things. This is a transition we all, sooner or later, are going to have to make. But we seldom talk about. Today, my guest, Mr. Will White from White's Mortuary in Sumter, South Carolina is joining the conversation today. And he is going to give us the perspective from the other side of the casket, so to speak. It was an enlightening conversation. So let's get into it right now.
2: Uh, Walk with me, talk with me, what you know about God? Will he ride with me? Come and open my eyes for me and my story. Show me more what's in store and what's more. Listen,
0: homie, can you walk? William White, welcome to this Christian Walk podcast.
2: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you being here. I'm excited, right? And I uh, (laughs) thank you for saying yes, I'm so glad, right? So what what we have here, you are the owner and president of White's Mortuary in Sumter, Sumter, South Carolina. That's correct. That is correct, okay. So I want to ask you this. First of all, how do you identify, right? Do you identify as a mortician or funeral director? You know, what how does that go? Because I feel like ever since the wrestler came up, everybody walked away from Undertaker. Like that's that's that nobody does that anymore. So what is the what is the accepted title?
2: Well, I mean, for for me, I think mortician is the accepted title uh, because I'm licensed as a funeral director and an embalmer, and so we we title it as mortician. Um, many years ago, people were titled as the undertaker, and I have identified that as being somebody when they walk the door, they fit to undertake me. In terms of being able to not really be concerned about what the family is experiencing, but more so about how am I going to get paid and I'm going to undertake you emotionally, financially and all of those things. And I think as time has progressed, we have really become to be identified as morticians because we want to be able to care about the overarching well-being of a family who has called upon us to serve them.
0: And you know, I, that's that's an interesting point because I never thought of it that way as far as the undertaker being someone that's just there to kind of swindle you out of your money and manipulate you in a vulnerable time, I thought it is just something that was kind of maybe had stigmatized because it had like a morbid morbid uh, connotation like, you know, it right. just means, you know, taking you under, you know what I mean? Right. And right. so I, I didn't think about it in that aspect, but yeah, that definitely makes
2: sense. So right. how long and, have you, mm-hmm, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh I don't know go ahead what would you want to say Well I I think also from in that in that context of of, of looking at that piece uh, when people you know because we're dealing with a different generation of people now you know people are more conscious and probably 30 40 years ago people were probably emotionally overspending for services because they were trying uh in the African American community they were Trying to say that they we didn't have a good life while we were living. We're going to make sure that they go out in style now. And now that the Generation Z and the Millennials are making those decisions, then they're trying to be a little bit more economically sound when they're making those decisions and making sure they're getting value add for dollars spent.
0: Oh yeah, because I've heard that um, I've heard that um, ploy, for lack of a better term, where people would try to come at you in a way like. Well, if you really care about your loved one, you will spend an an exorbitant amount of money in order to send them off. That's like a that's like a pretty much an indication of how much you love them, based off on how much you would spend on their funeral.
2: Correct, and that's the emotional overspending, because if people did not have a great relationship with their loved one, then being able to um, when there were industries where they knew that they were awarding their employees 30, 40, $50,000 worth of basic life insurance because they worked for GM and other, all these other different corporations. Then when someone passed away and they worked for these entities, then the funeral home actually knew how much money they had. And so that's how this quote unquote piece came in. Let, you know, we the, we the undertaker, we are gonna cause you to, have key buzzwords that will cause you to play on the emotional stability of a family because they're in shock.
0: And then, uh, how long have you been in, uh, how long have you been in the mortician business that been a funeral director?
2: Well, I've been licensed as a funeral director and embalmer for the last 25 years, but I've worked in this industry for the last 40 years starting out in McDonough, Georgia, washing cars, cleaning bathrooms, things of that nature, still wash cars, still clean bathrooms, because that, that teaches you humility. And I think a lot of times when people have arrived and they, and look at ownership, they're saying, well, I can hire somebody else to do that. And even now, you know, people say, well, you know, you, you can hire somebody to come out there and wash those cars and you can hire somebody to come clean the bathrooms. You're absolutely right. But I think that families that we serve find it a little bit better, seen better when they see that the owner has not forgotten where he or she has come from. And I just think that that's really therapy for me to show the people in the community that I'm still humble enough to meet them where they are because I haven't gotten so brand that I can't still be a servant.
0: That's great. Now you say you've been around this work 40 years. I mean, first of all, let me just say you don't look like you've been doing nothing 40 years, okay? So so that's that's definitely uh you've been blessed. So that's yeah. uh, that's amazing. And so you. you're welcome. Now, I because I sure was gonna ask you, I'm like, okay, about 20, 25 years, did you ever do anything before this, or did you always knew you wanted to be in this business?
2: Well, I think what what happens is is that um a lot of people are—it's dropped into their lap, meaning that their grandfather, great grandfather, started the business and then it's handed down from generation to generation. I am a first-generation uh, funeral home owner from my family. Um, my godmother owned the funeral home, but it wasn't my funeral home, and um, and so I'm a first-generation guy. And I guess for me, the turning point was. Um, February 12, 1996, um, 12 noon PM at the shallow Baptist church in McDonald, Georgia, when I had to lay my mom to rest, because at that point I had to sit on the front seat or the second seat rather, because I come from a large, uh, group of, uh, siblings, um, second seat and watch what we were delivering as a funeral home staff and being able to see what we were delivering was not adequate to meet the needs of the family. And what we were doing, I'm not saying we weren't doing a great job, but I just didn't think that we were meeting the need of the families at that point. And so a light bulb came on to say that, hey, this has to go from doing funeral service into ministry because we got to meet the needs of the people where they are. And so I think that was the turning point
0: and I'm glad that you, one, touched on the fact that a lot of um, funeral homes, they are passed down. And, you know, I was thinking about that as I was preparing for this, like it it almost always seems like it's, it's this family business, whether Correct. you're watching the, the reality shows or whether you just know the ones that's in your family that you, you know, that's in your neighborhoods that have been there forever, but had the same name on it for as long as, and, you know, that's Everybody knows that that's the the White's funeral home or that's the Jenkins funeral home. It's like they've been there. It's a staple. And I'm like, I right. wonder is that is there a particular reason why that trend is so common? Do you think, or well, or is I, it just a coincidence? I,
2: it's probably a coincidence because sometimes you're you're forced into something that you really don't want to do. You know, this is that may have been my grandfather's dream, that may have been my daddy's dream, but then this is not really my dream because maybe I wanted to go play checkers for a bit, but yet they're sticking me here at this funeral home, and now I got to be dealing deal with these folks all the time. And because children have grown up in it, first generation, second generation, either it's a calling or it's a burden. It's a, it's a blessing. Like you, a you
0: definitely would have to have some kind of passion to do that your whole life, or it could be, I can see how it could feel like just this long purgatory type of thing.
2: Right, because because, because because if 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 my grandfather had started a business and it was passed to my daddy, and now this is what I'm expecting you to do, but nobody really asked him, is this really what you want to do? And that's the reason you see how people make a mess of, of of businesses because that's not really what they're called to do. And I don't care where you are in the world, you can find a business, whether it's a grocery store, whether it's a department store, whether it's a funeral home, doesn't really matter. You can see how things have become messy because that wasn't what that person was called to do. Because everybody can remember when Mr. Johnny had the funeral home and then it got to his son and his son was great. But then when it got to the grandson, He was horrible or she was horrible because that wasn't what they wanted to do
0: yeah and everybody's like well when mr johnny was here it was like this
2: correct correct and (laughs) funeral services ever evolved is ever evolved
0: and you know um is your business now i understand you're first generation owner and um congratulations on that though you know i mean on on doing that um Is your business a family business now?
2: My wife my wife works with me. Um, my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter says that uh, she has her own business and she's not gonna put any sweat equity into this business. But at the end of the day, um, it is. My wife works, partners along with me. My daughter comes by when she feels like working. And uh, you know, but at the end of the day, whether she takes over the business or not, that's not really my, my concern. I want her to enjoy her life because this business is a 24 hour a day, seven day a week business where nobody has, nobody is died between the hours of nine and five. We're not asking people to die. It's called of God's mandate that they will pass. And you just don't know when your phone is going to break. And so it, it, if there are times that you want to go on vacation, you can't go on vacation because you're building a business. And 12 years later, I'm still building because I can't sit on my loyals and think that people are just going to call. It's always work to do.
0: Are you finding yourself? Because, I mean, like you said, that the um, the funeral business is ever expanding. So is it like recertifications that have to happen? And, right. Or, you know, how, how does that work?
2: Well. When I went to school Stone Age's ago, school was only uh, twelve months, and once you graduated, you took the national board, and then you took the state exam after you completed a two-year internship. Now it's eighteen months of school, eighteen-month intern, still the same time, but they're they're you know requiring a little bit more time in school, and then you have to have continue. Well, even after your license, each state has different requirements about the number of continuing education hours you have to have each each year or every two years for your license to be renewed and then i'm always constantly figuring out what's new and what's next because the way that we may have celebrated grandma's life is not going to be the way we celebrate jim john's life because yeah. jim john didn't go to church and i'm not i'm not not saying that you shouldn't go to church but jim john didn't go to church and so, how we may go in and celebrate Mom's life, Grandma's life, is not going to be how we're going to celebrate Jim John's life because it's a different group of people. <laughs> and so, they're not—they're not wanting the preacher to stand and 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 tell you about the twenty-third Psalm and all that stuff. They're saying, "Hey, can we just have some life reflections?" And so we've gone that road.
0: And that, and you know, I and you know, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned, you know, that because you know, people are going to be coming your way through all walks of life, right? That's right. but I found it um, interesting that you're a minister, right? And you don't usually right. hear about morticians being ministers, like you know, t- typically I like I haven't heard that. I haven't heard like you know this is a mortician he's also a minister, and I just right. wonder was that a common thing that happened fact, or was it more common not for your mortician not to be a minister?
2: Well, depends on what which area you're in because a lot of lot of areas had pastors who who owned the funeral, or they started in the funeral business and then got called to ministry, and or they were in ministry and then decided they were going to open up a funeral. Because what people, what, what we sometimes fail to realize is that if someone experiences a loss after the nurse or the doctor pronounces that person uh, has transitioned, the first call that they're gonna get is a call to the funeral home. And so sometimes the mortician is really the gateway between the church and that family. So you're kind of standing in the middle. And if that person is not sensitive enough to understand the needs of the family and kind of meet that need then it becomes a snowball effect when they finally get to the church that the church is going to catch hell and so you have to make sure that you have a relationship with god (laughs) first and foremost most so that you'll be able to deal with the the huge dynamics of people that you're that you're going to encounter church and unchurched
0: and how did yours have been did your call to um be a mortician come before your call to be a minister or did it come or did it come after
2: well i think that more so i i knew early on that i was called to do something um other than you know i grew up in the baptist church um served as a junior deacon served in the choir did a whole lot of stuff in the church and i knew that there was a call and then a lot of times in the old church they did recognize the call they just told you you need to go go back home and set that because sometimes my mama said well there were three P's. some people got called to preach some people got called to pray and then somebody got called P, so you need to discern which p you got
0: <laughs> Wait, what was that third p what was the third <laughs>
2: <laughs> to pee so to pee. somebody got called to preach somebody got called to pray and then you may have gotten called to go pee so when God oh, will that get, is
0: just go pee. Got it. Go pee. Okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you better make sure your ears is open because you don't want to miss, especially if that you don't want to pick the first one. If it's supposed to be the third one, that will mess you up.
2: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. then, you, then you find people who were really called to go pee. And then they 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 say they up uh, their pastoring, but then they don't have the compassion for people. Then that so that's the reason I believe that funeral service um, has to be a
1: calling
2: because you're dealing with people in the most critical moment of
1: their life, and if you're not called to deal with people, you, you you're in trouble. Yeah, definitely, and you know let
0: let's talk about you know in that most vulnerable time, right? So I was looking at your website, which I had to commend you on it, first of all, because I really liked it. It was very user-friendly and informative, okay? Okay. If all right. there was a feedback button, I would have pushed it and gave it to you because I really like my experience. I was like, OK, this is cool. And I learned a lot. So I appreciate that. And that right. website for everybody listening here. And I'll put it up at, later on, later on in the broadcast, too. But right. it's www.whitesmortuary.net. Right. And right. Um, I really liked it. Right. So I like, first of all, here where you had the plan ahead section right? And um, that's pre-planning for your funeral. And you said it's pre-planning. It says pre-planning your funeral should be a natural part of life,
1: right? Right.
0: And I was like, you know, that is so true. It should definitely be a natural part of life. But we all know that it's the last thing somebody think about nine times out of 10. And you know this better than anybody, right? So- I want to ask you, you know, um, what age do you see taking advantage of this pre-planning situation and what age would you suggest doing it?
1: When you get married. I mean, I think the real
2: challenge as a, as a culture of, people, um, whether you black, white, blue, green, purple, it doesn't really matter. Most people don't want to talk about dying. We want to go to church. We want to have a good time, and he, we want to go to heaven. And then we want to leave the responsibility of, of planning what to do with this mortal body to somebody else. Um. And I think that it that the person that you're marrying is at a disadvantage because they don't know who grandmama was. And if you're in a situation like mine, my father was deceased when I got married, my mother was deceased. And so information that would have been needed to fill out necessary documents, my wife wouldn't necessarily have if 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 I don't if I don't document all this stuff because it's bigger than saying what color casket I want. Uh, It's bigger than saying what cemetery I want to go to. There's a whole lot of documents that have to be filled out and a whole lot of information that people have to have before we can ever get to what color casket you want, what cemetery you want to go to. And if we don't have a roadmap, at least a planning guide that they can look at and say, hey, okay, this is, this is where he or she wants to go. And then the other component of that is, is that people don't have adequate coverage or they have zero insurance and no means to pay. And because I want to go to a perpetual care cemetery, most people don't understand the cost associated with going to a perpetual care cemetery. And we have not re evaluated.
0: Perpetual care cemetery. So, for the people versus, that
2: don't know. I mean, oh, so perpetual care cemetery, where them people, you know, you have a road by a cemetery and everything is nice and level and all the grass look well, manicured like they couldn't grass with the scissors. That's a perpetual care cemetery. Okay. And versus the church cemetery where they may have headstones that are upright, and that's in the country. Most yes. city churches don't have church cemeteries. Okay. And so, Trying to understand the dynamics financially of what this will look like. So, if someone died unexpectedly, do you have adequate coverage, or even, or, or do you have life insurance? People yeah,
1: and, and people so just
0: don't really think that it's important to have life insurance. <laughs> and I just think that that's something we just really got to wake up about, right. as, you know, as a society. Yeah, And I don't even think it's just restricted to black people or white people or poor people. I mean, I feel like rich people are a little bit more, uh, they, they're a little bit more savvy because a lot of times they have lawyers and stuff. They kind of let them know about it, about right. the importance of having it, and they use it to build wealth. But that's a Correct. whole nother conversation. I don't even... Yeah, that's all. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But that's when you're talking up. about yeah. having it to make sure that you can meet at least the, ben- the the minimal need of being able to take care of yourself if something happens, take care of Correct. your family if something happens. You Correct. know, I like the fact that you had a checklist right. on your website, which I think everybody should take time to just look at, what are the things that I need to consider about what if something happened to me? You know, right, just right. to kind of protect your the people that you love, and, right. and you mentioned about you know people doing it when they get married. What about people like me who, I'm forty two. I'm not married yet. So at what point should I go Ma'am. on link?
2: Now, <laughs> me and, and what 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 I'm saying is now because if God forbid something happens to you, mm-hmm. who's going to handle your fate? who's going to take care of all your stuff because you know even though i may think that i married the right spouse or my sister is great is a great person you may have a and i'm not saying this about my wife but you know let's just take for instance your husband or your wife and you got kids and your your, your loved one is not a good money manager But yet you got $300,000 of life insurance, but you got kids, you got to send to school. So does it make better sense to make the, to buy a separate policy for 10 or $15,000 to for handle the burial expenses and use that $300,000 as a means to send your kids to school, because you can put that money into a trust that is only available to them if they, if they choose secondary education. Cause they will hold that money into a trust account until they get ready to go to school. And you got a business and you got cars, you got all this stuff. So what happens to this stuff? If something happens, to you? where does it go? And sometimes we want to put our family in charge of our business, but sometimes that may not be the right answer. We may need to put somebody who doesn't have a vested interest in charge of our stuff because they're going to make sure it gets distributed correctly.
0: That somebody is not a vested interest, so you you recommend picking.
2: I mean, you may have a you may have a dear friend who you know will not allow your family members to come in and say we need to go have a party with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But what I'm that's saying, true. they have a vested interest in making sure that your stuff is handled correct, because the beneficiary of your life insurance policy. Does not have to use that money to make sure that your burial expenses are taken care of.
0: But you see that happen a lot. Absolutely. So it's just good to still, even if in addition to your life insurance, to have burial insurance. Well,
2: it's just a secondary policy because you know what people don't. You you're basically saying I'm the owner of the policy. I'm the insured of the policy, and I'm going to make um bob smith the beneficiary of that policy and so if bob smith is the beneficiary of that policy bob smith is not obligated to go pay for your funeral expenses when you die Wow.
1: Hmm. i
0: just know that it is it, you know i didn't even think about it to that extent because that is something that people need to consider but, you know, you you just know of the things that uh, uh, <laughs> the things that can happen when people pretty much don't have any insurance. Right. You know, that's the right. common thing. That's when you get the link for the GoFundMe. That's when you find out that people are having a fish fry and trying to sell a little turkey and chicken dinners, trying to, you know, have a funeral. Right. And, you know, that's like the saddest thing ever. Like what? Why is it that we just put it off? And I know, and I'm gonna be really transparent. Like, I know, like, people like my mom, my mom does not like to discuss arrangements. Like, I've had to have, like, you know, just had to really build up my strength to say, Mom, we're gonna have this conversation because we must have it. Because I've seen it go both ways, right? I've seen it to where it's just the person never did it. Then you know, it's it's so much stuff going on when it when the when something happens, and then I've seen it when you know the person took the time to plan it, and then when they passed, their their family didn't have everything. You know, everything was done from the obituary. From um, all the arrangement, everybody from who the, the the program, who they wanted to sing, what they wanted to wear was already mapped out. And it was just like, wow, I'm so glad that that person did that. You know, I'm You're so right. glad that my parent did that. I'm so glad that my sibling did that. And then I've seen the people that uh, <laughs> uh, wait until they're pretty much on their deathbed to try to do it. You know, the, like I'm trying to plan my funeral, but at the same time, I'm also dealing with the fact that I'm dying. In the moment. In the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> you know how? So the the best time to do it is as soon as possible. <laughs> I
2: mean, right? the, I mean, you, you you need to maybe you don't have every detail, with it, mm-hmm. but there ought to be some framework around where you going, because okay. everybody,
1: there's a risk every morning I get in my car. There's a risk every morning I get in my car. There's a risk every afternoon you get in your car, and the risk is that somebody could run a traffic light somebody could be texting and driving and hit you head on there's a risk and because there's a risk there ought to be at least what what do i do next because i don't know what's next and at least if i know that you want something. At least
2: that's a place for me
0: start. So when you say a framework, what's the if you say the top three things that a person should take care of immediately to make sure, you know, to, to start the framework, what, what would be the top three things?
2: I think that you need to figure out what, what your final disposition should be. Do I want to be buried or do I want to be cremated? Um and if I want to be cremated, then is this a direct cremation or is this a a service followed by cremation? Okay. What's the difference? A direct cremation means that once all the necessary documents have been processed, then the body is cremated. The other component is, is being able to have a the body embalmed, body placed into a rental cash if we can, have our ability to say farewell, and then the body is after the services. So, final disposition: either I'm going to the cemetery or I'm going to be cremated.
0: Okay, so they, then, they 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 pretty you up to make sure people can say
2: yes uh, farewell. Yeah, yeah because it. we need some clothes. Right, <laughs> people need clothes. Yeah, and when there's no body present, people do not get clothes. Really? And you know, I'm glad that we are talking
0: about this because see, I got an issue, right? I don't want to be seen dead. I, that, the, You know, I've said that before. Okay. I, I don't want to be seen dead like myself All right. All on right. my own. And this is not my planning session. I'll call you later to make sure we get that together. But I just want, I, like, I have a thing, but you think that my people won't get closer if they don't see my,
2: my body? There are people who do not function well. Unless they can see a body to get close, And so that's, that's a individual thing. <clears throat> and you have to make sure that it makes sense for the family. Because somebody, somebody needs to be able to say farewell, Because if they're not here and you pass away
1: and they're in California, they they may not be here in twenty four hours or forty eight hours, and they want to be able to least their farewell. We un- we understand that the spirit
2: is gone, but that mortal body because that's what we that that's what we want to see is the mortal body. We, we 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 understand you know our beliefs is that the mortal body is the flesh. The spirit is going back to it came. The mortal body is going back to the earth. And so, you know, people sometimes get hung up in the, the spirit and in the, the body, but in our
1: culture, we we want to be able to see a body.
0: Okay, well, I'm work about that. I'm gonna work on that in my framework. What's the next one? What's, what's the
2: next one? <laughs> so final disposition, whether you want a viewing or no viewing, um, cemetery location where, you know, because we got a lot of transplants. Do I want to go back to, my hometown or do i want to be laid to rest here in the city where i live you know those are the kind of things that people need to be need to be trying to consider and and those are some major pieces because at least if i know if something happens that hey my loved one wants to be cremated or my loved one wants to be buried and that kind of that kind of helps me when i go sit down with the with the uh, funeral home because at least I know what I'm looking for. All right, and what's the third one? <clears throat> and then kind of decide what you're gonna do, whether you want a church service or a chapel service. Because of this pandemic, a lot of people aren't having church services. They're not having large gatherings, and so you know, just kind of figuring out what what does that look like. How? Because funerals are really for the living. They're not for the person that's gone on. And so being able to kind of understand how are we going to commemorate that person's life who has lived. Because we do a poor job of telling people how wonderful they are while they are alive. We do a poor job. We we can tell them all the great things that they meant to us, We they can no longer hear. But we do a poor job of telling those people what they meant to us while they while they could hear it. And I and think that's if, the
0: big thing that you should definitely people should get out of this talk, right. That You know, everybody's time is limited and we got to remember to give people their flowers while they're there,
2: while yeah. they're here. Yeah, they, they they used to sing this song. The Lord has taken us away one by one. He's <laughs> taking us away. <laughs>
0: So let me ask you this now, getting back into, okay, we got the pre-plan together, right? Right. So when we consider the actual services, right, when it's time. Right, right. Now, I've seen a couple of, you know, a couple of reality shows, like uh HBO has this show, Six New Ways to Die in America. Did you see that? I have not. Okay, so they they have like different ways that people you know funeralize themselves. I'm not sure it's it's funerize a word. It if feels you said new, it is, it's your show. I, it feels funerize. like a new word, you know. Funerize. It feels right. it feels right. like right. a new word, but I was okay. we we're gonna allow it. We're gonna allow it. But All right. you know they they had new ways to you know you know have different services right to personalize the service on your site. You actually have different ways people can personalize services, whether it's right. the, the barrier reef, um, the sea burial, or right. um, if you want to be planted as a tree. I've, I've seen that on the HBO thing that, you know, you can be a tree. You can be shot in the space. Right. right? Um, right. They had um, this. I watched this one called, um They had this reality show called Best Funeral Ever on TLC a few years back. OK. Right and they did all kinds of weird stuff like they put this one guy he had a um a a, a disability so he was ne- never able to ride a roller coaster so his right. funeral was a, they put him on a roller coaster okay right. and let him go on the roller coaster and that was his services okay right. and um they had the baby back you know the guy who wrote the baby back rib uh chili's commercial jingle right. Right. when he right. died they gave him a baby back rib uh right. funeral i mean they was you know i want my baby back with taking the casket down the thing i'm like okay this is definitely personalized but i'm just wondering in your opinion is there a is there a line right because on yours they said you know there's no request that you know there's no request that you would deny or there was uh no limit is what you have on um only your imagination isn't that a pretty dangerous statement like when you think about putting something like that there's no line where you'll be like okay uh, well let let me
2: let me let me let me let me let me cover this statement for you okay Um,
1: traditional funerals are becoming obsolete
2: Because people want to be able to commemorate that person's life.
1: Okay.
2: We have what uh, a generation of people call the nuns. they do not identify with any religious uh, they're not Baptists, they're not Methodists, they're not Catholic. they're just nuns. they believe, but they don't identify with particular uh, religious denomination, okay? okay. And so that person who may be a nun, his service may be in the bar where he may, he or she may have been cremated and we're having a memorial service at the bar and they're offering life reflections and they're having cocktails because that's how they want to commemorate that person's life. I believe that I have to meet people where they are, as long as it's legal, then we're in good shape because in order to be able to have these experiences at the amusement park and to do all this other stuff, there had to be some clearances somewhere. They just didn't show up over there.
0: Oh, no, I'm sure it was a permit. Right, Right,
2: right, right. And then the other component of that is, do I have the means to pay for what I'm asking for? Right. Right. So it's, it's not only can we meet what your imagination says, but then the other component is, do you have the means to
1: pay for what you're asking? Because a lot of people ask for champagne, but only got a water budget.
2: And so being able to meet the needs of the people is not the challenge. Being able to pay for what you're asking for becomes a challenge.
0: So you haven't heard any requests that a person could pay for that made you, and that was legal. That made you be like,
2: no, I don't think we, (laughs) listen, I have a most, most firms have a reputation to protect and if they feel like it's going to be something that is going to be out of sorts. That is not going to work favorably for not only the family, but for the firm, they will sometimes stand down and say, mm, We need to really think about that. Okay. We need to think okay. about that. All right. So, okay. and that's where it comes in that you got to have some common sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because you
0: know, people will go there. Right. They will, they will push the envelope.
2: Yeah. But they got to have some common sense in the process as well.
0: All right. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Well, common on,
1: sense ain't so common.
0: it could be it could definitely be a little uh a little sporadic to say to say the least right right? so another thing I liked about your website right is the grief support resources right I really appreciated the fact that you offered the 24 7 access to the counseling service the the group grief support interactive videos and even like the little sesame street um the sesame street children Mm -hmm. grief videos or resources because you know a lot of times when when you know you think about grief you know sometimes the kid just kind of you know they don't really know how to address them you know cuz it's not it's going to be a different avenue when it comes to dealing with a child grieving than dealing with an adult grieving but just the the idea the fact that you have the grief su- support services and they're not just before they're also after i really really appreciate the fact that you you were adamant in in the literature on the website about being there is whenever they needed you because you understood right. that they were in a process and you respected that process and you want, and you guys want to be, you, you want to support them in it before, during and after.
1: Correct.
0: And I thought that was, um, very commendable and respectable. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I've, I've never had to myself plan a, you know, a funeral service for someone. right? Right. But, um, I never knew someone that went through planning a funeral and had a lot of resources like that through the funeral home. You know what I mean? And I just think that that is, is, you know, it's spot on. And I, you know, I I just thank you for, you know, being that considerate and thoughtful like that. But, you know, when you think about grieving people, and then especially in the church or in the community altogether, sometimes we miss the mark when it comes to supporting people who are grieving and i'm just Mm -hmm. wondering you you know um where do you think the most common mistake of missing that mark is for being a person that that you know needs grieving and uh, that needs support while they're grieving for that person who is there you know when a person is grieving and not sure how to support them you know what what's the most common thing you think we can do to change that
2: well here's what we said when someone died I know how you feel. <laughs> and I laugh about it because that's a common cuz we don't know what to say to people when someone passes away. I'm sorry. What what are you sorry about? And I'm not being critical, but that's just where we are. I I I know how you feel. I I you, first of all, you don't know how that
1: person feels
2: because you don't understand the relationship that that person had with the person who passed away. And when you don't understand the relationship that the person had with the person who passed away, I don't know how you feel. I can't be sorry for you because what am I being sorry for? Uh, most people, when they go through a traumatic experience as the closest thing that a person will ever experience to death is a divorce
1: because the person is no longer there with it. Um,
2: we who go through death and dying don't think we need any help. Men are guilty because if you ask a man, how's he doing, am I? And he stuffs all of his emotions inside because he doesn't have an outlet or he doesn't want to be vulnerable in a crisis situation because he may be called weak. And we don't know how to process death. Women, on the other hand, they do okay. But there may be some negative feelings about mama didn't do this. Or mama treated my sister better when she was five than she treated me when I was seven. And we live with this built up anger throughout all of our life. And my mom had nine kids and she probably loved she loved all of us. And I think that's, you know, the, how my my oldest brother views my mother is totally different than how I view her because of the era that we brought up. When siblings are close together, they they may have the same feeling, you know, maybe mutual, but I think somebody may feel slighted than the other. And when a person dies, it's a transition then you really feel really understand how siblings feel about that loved one that passed away that parent that brother that sister but we don't think we need to sell the couch to deal with our stuff and we offer help but we are not able to force people to have a conversation because i think people and kubla ross talked about their five stages of grief and i think most people never get to never get past anger because there's so many different emotions that are flowing when a person dies and that goes back to my initial comment when we talked about when we started that you have to be stable enough balanced enough to be able to understand that when this when someone dies i'm dealing with this first stage of grief which is anger and if I'm not balanced enough to keep this family stable before they get to the church, then it will create chaos when it gets to the church. And some people never move past anger.
0: And then, so what, what do, you know, cause I know like you said, you it's like that old adage, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But you know, what? what can we do when we know that we have family members who are grieving and it's getting to a point where it's at a unhealthy state. You know what I mean? Is there something that we can that we can do that most people did? Because a lot of times we just say, you know, we just kind of back away from them thinking they need their space. And I, is that always the best? I, it didn't feel like the best thing to do all the time.
2: Well, sometimes you gotta wait on people to come talk to you and most of the time they ain't gonna come talk to you, they're gonna have to talk to a third party because you, we we are we are guilty even before somebody dies. We're not listening to people to understand. We're listening to people so that we can respond. I felt like Mama had a better relationship with you because she always rest your hair at nine o'clock at night. and always made me wait till 11 but not understanding that mama had six other girls that she had to get to before she got to me to you at 11 and mama never changed that rotation Why i could not be at nine and you be at 11. and and so those are things that we hold on to from our childhood that really impacts even our adult relationships and then when the person passes away, who was the center of this, instead of them having that conversation with that person, because that person wasn't listening to understand, the older generation said, do as I say, not as I do as I tell you, not as you seem to do. But we didn't have a relationship where we could ask those kind of questions. And so now, even now when we ask those kind of questions, we're not asking those questions we, we may come be coming from a genuine place, but most people think that you're asking that question because you want to be nosy or you want to be in my business, not because you genuinely want to help.
0: Because I know a lot of times you you just feel like, like you mentioned before, it's like you feel like you don't know what to say. So right. when, you, when you feel like you don't know what to say, what's the best thing to do? Say, I don't know be, what to say?
2: Be quiet. Just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> just be there. I, I, I mean, I mean, sometimes
1: your presence in a place is more powerful than spoken words in a place.
2: And and, and I think when a person transitions, they can respect. Uh, they they roll with you a whole lot better because hey, we'll just came by. But Will didn't say anything. I spoke to the people, hey, what's happening? Nah, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's happening? What's going on?
1: Come on, man, let's take a walk. Come on, girlfriend, let's go get some, let's go get a frappuccino. And
2: I'm going to get a frappuccino because most of the time when somebody dies, they're not eating. And so this is gonna give you an opportunity to go eat. To have uh, at least get a cup of coffee, to get a, a, a sweet tea or something. So at that point, people become a little bit more accessible because now they don't have to be Superman or Superwoman.
0: I get that. I get that, and that definitely makes perfect sense.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay. All right. So you touched before um, a little bit on the pandemic, right? And right. I feel like during the pandemic, the, uh, we heard from everybody except from, I don't remember hearing from the funeral director. I mean, we knew that he was very busy, right? We knew right. that, you know, you, you were busy around like You mentioned before that any given time, this business is 24 hours a day. Right? right. But we know at that time that was a very hectic, time. And right. um I'm just wondering how you felt as a, a a person who was in your position. You know, what was it like? I mean, because you did you have to turn people away. How did you Maintain the standard of service that you, I because it seems to me like you, the standard of service is very important to you because you your your standard of service is you emotionally supporting the families that come to that door, and right. I know that with these conditions of the pandemic, especially in the peak, that had to be a strain on your ability to do that. How what was it like for you?
2: I, I think. Some regions were more impacted than other regions. Uh, Some funeral homes were 21 days out before they could have a service. Um, We weren't quite out 21 days, we were. um, And then most of the people that we served during the peak were not people who actually died from COVID-19. There were people who died from lack of interaction with each other. When the churches shut down, it created all of these graveside services. We were fortunate enough to have a local church here in our community that was not being used um, for services every week, where we were able to go in and use that facility to have services because people needed to be able to gather to celebrate the life of their loved ones. Um, and so, emotionally, um, when we looked at the news, they were they were talking about the first responders and how much stuff they needed to do for the first responders, but they were not really considering the last responders, which was my many colleagues who are in the in the in the funeral service industry, those people who are making removals, the corners, and and. Um, and the and the federal directors and embalmers throughout the United States and the world who are having to care for these uh persons who passed away from COVID-19. The reality of it is that the nobody knew what this virus was going to do. And even though you got these vaccinations and all of that stuff, how long does this virus live after the person has died? And then you got family members coming in because they were, their loved one died from COVID-19. And now they're having to be quarantined for seven to 14 days because they've uh, developed the virus. And now you're holding loved ones out 14, 21 days, because you got to wait on them to get better so that they can make federal arrangements, And even now, the emotional well being of that person who's caring for people is sometimes put on the back burner because nobody is really asking mortician how you feel. The only thing that they think is ching ching, jackpot of Jerusalem. But the, you know, doesn't matter how much money you have or how much money you don't have, how emotionally stable are you? And many people are not emotionally stable because they're burned out emotionally. Nobody's taking a mental health day. I need a mental health day as they say, because I need to go back and gather my sense of thinking, my sense of understanding, because I don't have, I don't, I don't have an off moment. I don't have a moment where I can just not be prepared to go because if the phone rings, that family on the other side of the phone, doesn't care whether it's two o'clock in the afternoon, whether it's two o'clock in the morning, I'm calling you because I'm in a crisis. And if it had not, even if it's not for the grace of God, I should have lost my mind.
0: And I know your relationship uh, with God serves you well, um, but what else do you do to maintain and stay attentive to your own mental health?
2: I I think that, I had a went to the doctor yesterday and one of the things that my physician said to me yesterday was do something that makes you happy today. Take a moment to go do something that you want to do. We spend most of our lives, I don't care whether you're in the funeral business, what, whatever you're doing, we spend most of our lives doing something that benefits somebody else. And we spend very little time doing something that benefits us. And so I've gotten back to the gym um getting up going to the gym in the morning and you know i'll pick up my golf clubs i hadn't played golf in a couple of years and so we'll pick the golf clubs back up just so that i can take that hour two hours to just de-stress once a week with the golf clubs and you know getting up early enough to spend time in the gym because it it helps maintain your physical body and your mental health and if you don't do that, you will find yourself burned out. That's the reason folks go on to the house.
0: Wow. Well, I'm glad that you, you know, you, you are recognizing that you need to take care of yourself one, because it's a lot of people that miss that mark. And right. they just go and they just pour their stuff. And then, especially um in a business like yours where you know you put people, other people's emotions and their situation before you is your business is they is their their experience being to the as, as best as possible that's what right. you dedicate your life to you know i right. i feel like with nurses police officers and and you know firemen and and now you know having this conversation with you what you're doing this isn't what you do this is who you are
1: right,
2: right? that's that's the dna yeah and that's who I, am. who I am as a as a person and and sometimes it's tough for people to understand that because they're not called
1: to it. and if you ain't called to it 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 makes it difficult for other people to understand
0: god bless you and i'm glad that you made it through that thing still smiling and still with your with that great energy that you have um right. But, I, you know, I did want to ask you, um, even, you know, pandemic aside, like just making this your life, the you know, being in this in this career for the last 40 years, you know, let's go ahead and just count it all together. Right. You right. know, what does discussing dealing with and being around death all the time, what is what does that do for your life, like the benefits and the um, and the perils? What is it, what the good and the like one good, one bad. What is what
2: does that do for your life? Um the bad piece is that you miss a lot of holidays and a lot of vacations when your name is on the side. That's the that's the bad piece. I think the good piece for me is that we consider this ministry in the market. Because when we understand the ministry of Jesus, Jesus met the needs of the people in the marketplace, in the highways and byways where they were. And when I think about funeral service and its totality in the big picture of things, it is meeting the needs of the people in one of the most difficult moments of their life and being able to be a bridge builder for that family, regardless to their economic status, to some way give them a foundation to be able to stand on and help them to know that somebody cares for them, not only at that moment, but even the moments to follow. That That's the sense and being able to hear God say at the end of the day, well done. Most people want to say, when I get to heaven, I want to hear God say, well done. I, I think that when you reflect back on your day and look at everything that has taken place, you can't capture it all, but those moments where you have helped somebody And they come back and say, Thank you. Then that lets you know that you have done well by God because all of us are God's people. And if we're not able to meet the small needs, and some days you do stuff and people never come back and say anything. And then there was a certain family four or five months ago got a card in the mail uh, a couple of weeks ago that just simply said, Hey, thank you for how you helped us when my loved one passed and what we thought went unnoticed someone recognized it and then said sent a car back and said thank you
0: that's beautiful that that's beautiful definitely okay. enriching work not for the not for the weak at heart and definitely gotta be hear the calling
2: hear the
1: call
0: thank you for answering the call sir Thank you Thank for answering the call. No problem. Thank you for the service and the work that you're doing. Great. Now, um, I'm in, I'm I'm curious. Do you think we will ever take the taboo off of preparing for the afterlife, preparing for death in like a mainstream way? Do you think we can do that? I I'm think, hoping, it's all- you know, I'm hoping people listen to this and think, you know, think, you know, I really need to stop putting that off. And right. I want it to be something that don't make people cringe as much
1: right. i I, I think that when i when I reflect back on from whence we came and to where we are now, um, we're dealing with a different culture of people now in that. Most people are planning
2: for weddings, they're planning for babies, they're planning for when I'm gonna buy a house, they're saying I'm planning for eternal life. But real, the real question is how, what am I gonna do with this mortal body in between the time something happens and and, and buried? What, what, what's gonna happen on Freemason? Because there has to be a plan. And I think that sooner or later, the light bulb will come on that we need to make sure that things are in place for all aspects of our life. And I think that we think that sometimes if I plan, I'm going to die. Well, if you don't plan, you're going to die because that's just part of the plan. But if if I give somebody a roadmap to follow, how much better off will they be? Because at least they can say, hey, at least I got a I got I, I got a starting. At least get somebody to start him. And and I think that it, it may not be the whole, may not be the whole plan, but at least if I got some got some got some stops.
0: <laughs>
2: the framework. Like we framework. Like the framework. <laughs> if I got some framework, I can build a the, the house.
0: <laughs> yes. That's good. Okay. Okay. Well, we gonna we're gonna keep on praying on that not giving up on that because right. uh we we got to be more prepared and 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 not leaving on the people that we leaving behind sooner or right. later right. this guy uh, i'm telling you this um back in the day one uh, a man i used to love very much mr thurman used to always say good guy bad guy we all got to die
1: that's
0: right. later, you know what i'm saying we all going that's there so we might right. as well have a plan right that's right but before I let you go, you know, I, we made up one word together today. I'm going to put you into it, but I, I want you to listen to something because while you identify as a mortician funeral director, right? I want you right. to be open to two more possible uh, titles, Turn. right? I want to run right. these by you. Tell me what you think, okay? Right. So first one, life transition specialists.
2: Okay.
0: You see that? Line. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: All right. All right. What's the other one. What's
0: the other one? Afterlife, Usher.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. I, I, okay, I, I, I can. I can. I can. I can. I can. I can buy the first one. Okay. Life. Life transition specialist. Meaning that I specialize in helping people. Whose loved one has transitioned. Yeah. They didn't die, they just transitioned. It transitioned. Right. And then we can be the specialist in terms of being able to help them with the aftercare that is needed because on the front side, I'm helping the person that's passed away. On the back side, I'm helping the families to negotiate how to get to the next place where they can get begin to heal. I feel it. I feel
0: you, 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 you like it, you digging it. I'm gonna go ahead and get your desk plate made. Okay. All right. I'm gonna get you one because I think that's gonna be the new thing, right? right? I think that's gonna be it. You, sir, William White, you are my favorite life transition specialist. Hey, I hey, thank, hey. You, thank I thank you. you so much for being here and thank having you. this conversation with me. And um, I wish you the best in all that you do. Continue Thank you so to much. take care of yourself along the yeah. way or while you're taking care of everybody else.
2: Right, we're gonna do our best.
0: <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to my guest, Will White from White's Mortuary in Sumter, South Carolina for coming onto the podcast and sharing your perspective. The perspective of a last responder, a perspective that we rarely hear from. It was truly thought-provoking and truly enlightening. Thank you so much. And if this conversation spoke to you out there listening, please like it, please share it, and definitely please subscribe to my YouTube channel. And if you want to hear the podcast on the go, you can definitely do so on Apple Podcasts as well as iHeartRadio. Now, there was so many nuggets and gems in this. Conversation with Brother White, and um, I just have to say that if I could put out there one good takeaway, make sure when it comes to making the plans for that final curtain for when we get to that that time in our lives when the credits start rolling up on life, that we we don't we we want to plan it. Not when we're in distress, not when we're on our sick bed. And we definitely don't wanna leave that for our grieving families if we can help it. Get together with your family. I know it's gonna be a tough conversation, but it's a conversation that is worth having. Worth having with your loved ones and worth having with yourself so that you can go out of here with the goodbye that you deserve, right? And your, and your friends and family can get, give you the send off that you deserve without having to worry about scrambling around trying to see what it is that you wanted. When we have the opportunity while we're healthy to, to determine all of those things and put it on paper right? Use the tools that's available for you. And um, let's do this thing the right way because we're walking in faith, right? And we know all of this that we do in this life is to prepare for the next life. So let's do full preparation and not just half step it, okay? Because on this walk with God, I know one thing for sure. Loving God can be easy. Trusting God can be hard. But I believe we can all get there one step at a time. On this Christian walk, I'll see
2: you next time. Uh, Walk with me, talk with me. What you know about God, will he? Ride with me. Come and open my eyes for me and my story. Show me more what's in store. And once more, listen, homie, can you walk with me? Talk with me. What you know about God, will he? Ride with me. Come and open my eyes for me and my story. Show me more what's in store. And once more, listen, homie, can you walk? Uh, Can you walk?
0: Let's walk